Alright, what's going on everyone? Welcome to another episode of Forward Thinking Founders. Before we start into today's episode, I have a quick question for you. Raise your hand if you are listening and you are a founder or you are a founder type or working on side projects. Now, if you're if you're driving, please don't raise your hand. But if you're thinking that's me, chances are you might have a co-founder and in today's world, everything's remote. And this is unfortunate for founding teams because teams work fastest when they're together, right? When you're starting something new from scratch, being in the same room has a magical kind of feeling to it. And when we're all remote, you don't really get the same thing. Well, what if I told you there's a way to get that same output, right? Get that same feeling while being remote. And luckily there is. Uh, our sponsor for the next couple of weeks for Forward Thinking Founders is Sidekick. And Sidekick is an always-on display that sits next to you, next to your computer. It allows you to work right next to your co-founder like you were in the same room. This eliminates most of the problems that you kind of get when founding a startup remotely. And you're able to move faster and, and, and kind of get stuff done in a much more efficient way like you could with if you were in the same room. And luckily, because you're a listener of Forward Thinking Founders, you get a big discount on on Sidekick devices. If you go to sidekick.video slash FTF, you get $30 off. The market rate is $50 per device. As a listener of this podcast, it is $20 per device. $30 off total per device. So go to sidekick.video slash FTF, get your devices, and get you and your co-founders working together like you're in the same room, even if you're remote. Hope you enjoy it. What is going on, everyone? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Forward Thinking Founders. I am very grateful to have your attention, at least for the next 15 minutes of this episode. Forward Thinking Founders is a podcast where I interview pre-seed and seed stage founders about their products, what they want to build into the world, and why. We dive into how they spend their time, what's their vision, what's the origin of stories, all these things, so you can learn all about what's coming tomorrow. Because these companies haven't hit critical scale yet. Most of them haven't hit product market fit. These are just early stage companies, and the big question is, what can this be? And in this podcast, we bring that out. So with that, I really hope you enjoy your time listening to today's episode. And I've already done 200 plus, so if you like this one, listen to some of the other ones, like with Imadi Kuhn, Austin Allred, Leah Culver. We have great interviews, so check it out. Enjoy the repository, and for now, let's get into today's episode. Here we go. All right, how's it going, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Forward Thinking Founders, where we talk to founders about their companies, their visions of the future, and how the two collide. Today, I'm very excited to be talking to Jesse Sheff, who is the founder of Easy Up. Welcome to the show. How's it going? Hey, it's going pretty well. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming on. I, I appreciate it. I, I know we've interacted a little bit on Twitter, and I've seen Easy Up, so I'm excited to kind of hear what, what it is. For people that don't know what Easy Up is, um, what are you working on? Yeah, so we're building a B2B marketplace that allows salespeople to sell cars from any dealership, kind of like MLS for automotive. So this is one of these ideas where like you hear it and you're like, whoa, that's like, I mean, like one, I like know nothing about the market or like the, how it currently works, but I feel like something like this needs to exist if it hasn't already. So let's kind of start with... Let's, I'd actually like to start with just the market. Like, like, how does it work now? Is it just each dealership has their own salespeople? I guess, like, what, what, what's the current state of things? Then we'll go into how you're trying to change it. Yeah, so the, the way that the world works today, uh, at least for, you know, 99% of franchise dealerships is a, sales, a, a company has, you know, 
100, 200, 300, 400 vehicles in stock. And then they have five, 10, 15 salespeople to sell those cars. Those salespeople are generally, you know, they're restricted only to those cars. Uh, they've got access to sell those cars and they get there, but they're still encouraged to find customers out in the marketplace through, through any means, you know, appropriate. Uh, there's 17,000 franchise dealerships in the country and 98% of them are owned by companies that have less than five stores. So there's a ton of fragmentation. There's a ton of stores out there, but generally, you know, these automations and Penske's as bigger companies that have a lot of, a lot of stores, those are really the exception rather than the rule. Yeah, that, that, that makes a lot of sense. So let's kind of talk about easy up. So, so if someone was to get on easy up kind of how would it work from like the dealership perspective or the salesperson perspective, you can kind of pick the side you want to work, you want to talk about first. Yeah. So, you know, we talk about salespeople first cause I think that that's really kind of the core of who we are as a company, right? Um, dealers have a lot of people that have their back. Dealers have a lot of uh, support out there. There's a lot of people that sell to dealers, but really there's nothing out there that, that supports salespeople. So, um, we look at it and say, if you're a salesperson, you have a customer that wants to buy a car from you, you should never lose a deal based on inventory. If you have someone that wants to buy a Lexus and you work at a Ford store, why shouldn't you be able to help that customer? If you have a relationship with them and they want to buy from you, that's 90% of the battle in today's world. So like, why should you be limited to one store's inventory if you already have the customer's loyalty? So you sign up on our platform, um, takes you know, 15 seconds to sign up. Immediately you have access to about 50 dealerships. You've got about 10,000 cars available to sell from. You can search through those cars. You can find a car that matches up with what your customer is looking for. And then you can share your inventory directly with customers. Uh, when a customer looks at it, it's branded to you. They can see that it comes from you and they can inquire on any car. And again, that comes directly back to you as a salesperson. So once they find the right car for them and the salesperson helps them, then at that point, a salesperson reaches out to us and we help coordinate the rest of the transaction with the dealership. On the dealer side, they're signing up and they're really just, they're signing up and getting access to all of our salespeople that want to sell their cars, right? Our salespeople have customers that want to buy cars. Our dealers have cars that need customers. So our dealerships sign up and all the inventory goes onto the site. Uh, salespeople are able to search through it and then they're able to find the cars for their customers just like we talked about. So for a salesperson, so the idea here, just to make sure I understand is like, I'm not a salesperson for dealership A or dealership B. I am my own company in some ways and, and I have inventory of all these dealerships. And then if, if Johnny wants a Mazda or something, I can be like, great, let's sell you a Mazda. And then you do the back end work to connect to like a Mazda dealer or something like that. Is that, is that, is that kind of correct? And if not, can you, can you um, uh, tell me kind of how, how to make that correct? Yeah, so some of our salespeople are, are full-time salespeople at dealerships. Other salespeople may not work at a dealership. Some of them may, have, may, may be used to work in the business, and now they're a realtor or they're you know, doing something else. You don't have to be a full-time salesperson to use EasyUp, but you can be if you want to, right? So the way that we look at it is uh, just because you drive a taxi during the day doesn't mean you can't drive Uber at night, right? Um, we want our salespeople to be able to serve their customers regardless of what it is they do uh, for a, for a full-time job. We even have a few people on the platform now that are full-time on easy up, uh, not full-time in the sense of their, you know, their W2 employees for us, but full-time in the sense of this is where they're earning all of their income in order to support themselves and their families. Uh, so the way we look at it is you should be able to build a business and you shouldn't be 
tied to an arbitrary set of inventory that just happens to exist because that's what your dealership has at that exact moment. Yeah, it makes sense. And honestly, it feels like a pretty um, like simple yet transformative idea. Like, like I, I don't, I'm not in, like, I, I don't do car sales. I, I, I it's been a, a while since I've kind of bought a car, but it's like, it kind of, it just makes a lot of sense, right? Like it's almost like, why, why hasn't it always been like this? And that's what founders do. I'd love to just say like, why did you decide to start this? Like, or origin story, how'd you get started? Um, and then why you decided to start it when you did? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm, I, I you know, I went to the Naval Academy and I left the Academy uh, after my junior year because my family needed some help and some support. And um, when I left, I got into the car business kind of of all things, because I knew I could make money fairly quickly. Uh, and I got into the business. I actually kind of loved it, you know, didn't expect to, but kind of loved it. Uh, grew pretty quickly, you know, got to a place where I was managing uh, entire sales department, running, you know, 60, 70 salespeople. We were doing $200 million a year in sales, right? But the next step was either to become a partner at a dealership or to build my own company, right? And I was always frustrated by this problem, which is you can have a customer that loves you. You can have a customer that wants to work with you, that, that, that feels comfortable with you, that doesn't want to have to go through the, the kind of brain damage of having to meet this brand new salesperson they don't have any relationship with. But if you didn't have the car, you couldn't make a deal for that person. You are, you are, you're forced to kind of try to either push them into a car they don't want or, you know, just as bad to not be able to help them buy a car at all. So I wanted to create a platform that would allow those salespeople to, to reach and take care of those customers without having to worry about, you know, the exact inventory that they have. Got it. And it, kind of during your day to day as you're, as you're operating this, yeah. what do you spend your time on? Like, are you recruiting salespeople? Are you building software, managing team? Like, I guess what's a day in the life of the founder of easy up? Yeah. So we're, you know, we're, we're still currently obviously building software. Uh, we've got a V1 launched. You're able to do all the things I just mentioned, you know, on the site currently, uh, but obviously there's still a lot of features that we'd like to, that we'd like to push out. There's, and really it's just a function of, okay, like build something, figure out what the problems are and build, build tools to solve those problems. Right. So, you know, we, we're still building out the back end for dealers. We're building out more connections. So because some of that's not built out, I'm still physically, you know, or, or manually kind of doing some of the things that we would see, uh, our, our, our obviously our software do eventually. In fact, like the first iteration of how I tested this idea was I literally just took my phone and I asked every single salesperson that I could get a hold of to text me if they had a customer that wanted a car. I took, uh, you know, I went to a couple dealerships and asked them if I could help them sell a few cars. They said, yes, of course. And uh, literally I ran an MVP on my phone for six months. You know, um, I just had salespeople text me and I texted dealers to set the deals up and we scaled to 7,500 bucks in net revenue you know, just our take just in, in a few months. Uh, and so that was kind of the, the, what I was able to see and kind of verify, Hey, there is something here. I'm not the only person that thinks this is a good idea, right? People, salespeople will spend, will sell cars places. They don't work. Dealerships will let people come in and sell their cars. Okay. So now let's build some software and let's, let's start to like automate some of these things that I'm doing manually. So today I'm recruiting salespeople. Obviously I'm talking to dealers I'm still taking care of some of the, the, the sales processes to sell the cars as well. Um, talking, to, talking to people like you, spreading the word, spreading the gospel, you know, being the, the chief evangelist, as they always say. And uh, we're also starting to enter uh, a fundraise here as well. So 
uh, a lot of things is, is usually the answer to what a CEO does. And that's what I'm doing today. I feel like I talk to a lot of founders who like have an idea and they um, are kind of like, they're almost like stuck right then. It's like, or they build a landing page and there's not like, there's not much they do before like they have tech, right? Which is unfortunate. You, you are not the case. You actually did kind of the opposite. You just were, did what founders do and just started. How did you know, did you, did it take you a second to realize, oh, like I don't need tech to do this? Or was it just intuitive to know, oh, like I want to do this. Let's validate it by I'll be the tech and then we'll build tech later. Did, was that intuitive to you? Um, you know, it was probably more intuitive because I already had some small relationships with some of these salespeople. I already knew some of these dealers. So, you know, you, you grow up and you see tech companies and they're these beautiful sites and these, um, you know, like perfectly working, uh, you know, software products and things like that. But the reality is, is like people don't buy software, they buy solutions, right? And if a consumer wants to, if you can solve a problem for someone, they don't really care generally how you do it. Right. Software is actually for me. It's not for the customer. If there, if, if there was 10,000 Jesse's that could go out and physically, you know, one by one match salespeople with the right dealership to help them sell the cars, the salespeople would be fine with that. The dealers would be fine with that. The customers would be fine with that. The software is not for them. It's actually for me so that we can scale the company without having to have, you know, a thousand of me. It's just, it's just really a force multiplier in the end. And so I kind of looked at it and said, what's the shortest distance between an idea and a customer and it felt like doing that manually was and it gave me the kind of and it also let me kind of have the growing pains of figuring out how to build a software company while I kind of stumbled through uh, you know the early phases of learning how to do that as well uh, so yeah we, we um, I'm thankful I did that because it, I actually learned so much through that process talking to the salespeople every single day talking to the dealers every single day that I actually built a different product than I would have built if I had just boom, in the very beginning, here's the idea. Okay, let's build it. The way it actually worked out is very different from what I would have imagined because I learned so much in the, in that six month period. Yeah. It makes so much sense. And then you mentioned that you're, you're like going into a fundraise. If you're open to sharing that, how does, um, like, how does that, how do you, how are you thinking about prepping for it? Like, like, I think there's all sorts of founders think about raising money and I, I'm just kind of curious about how do you think about the fundraise? Um, how do you know how much you want? You don't have to disclose any details, but like, how do you know how to run it? How do you know how much you want to raise? Like, is it just kind of, I don't know, like how, how are you thinking about going into that and capitalizing the company? Well, I think the first thing is like raise money to build the company. Don't build the company to raise money, right? So the, the, the amount you're raising, you should know what you're spending that money on. You should know by the with this amount of money, I can get from A to B. Okay, currently I'm worried about four different things. I can, I can eliminate the risk of three of those things with this amount of money. And by the end of it, then I'm, I'm at this place, knowing that the idea works, knowing that I can get to liquidity in a first marketplace, knowing that I have somewhat of a scalable model, right? So that's how we look at it, is we wanna raise enough money to get to liquidity in our first marketplace. We wanna be able to have enough salespeople and dealers that we can get to a minimum transaction level uh, and we want to be able to say at the end of that, okay, we de-risked A, B, and C. We still have some risk on D, but we've shown that there's enough opportunity here that it's worth continuing to continuing to grow, right? Um, and and so that at the end of that, you know, seed round, at the end of that 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 18 months that after that seed round, then you want to be able to say, okay, now we're ready to expand to 
five, six, seven other cities. And that's, if, if we choose to raise again, it'll be for that reason, not to simply kind of continue to stumble around in the dark, right? So figure out where you want to go and then work backwards from there. And that should really inform your decision about how much you're raising uh, rather than some just kind of like arbitrary guess at like how much money you need to survive for this many months, right? Because like there's no medals for how long your company worked, right? Like you either get to that next level or you don't. And the next level is really all that matters. So figure out how to get there and, and raise that amount of money to do that. So let's say, let's look out, you know, you raise this round, you, you, you hit de-risk those things, you raise, you know, raise more, you just kind of do the company thing. Um, and 10 years go by and you're like, you, you've done it. You, you've built the empire. I'm curious, what does the empire look like then? Or I guess in a less weird way of framing it, what's your vision uh, for Easy Up and um, what direction are you rowing in? Yeah, so I think that the automotive market bifurcates into two specific types of business. You know, I think you'll see point and click and, you know, drag and drop Amazon Carvana type purchases happening. And so I don't, I don't think anyone that thinks, I don't, I don't think it's realistic to say that's not going to exist in the market in 10 years. But I think the other side of the market is going to be the exact opposite of that. I think it's deeply personal. I think it's re repeat and referral driven. I think it's, it's high touch. I think salespeople have relationships with customers. Um, and, and I think that that side of the market is really who we serve, Right. We want to give those people and those salespeople the tools to be able to serve their customers and to really align their interests with the consumer. That's, that's a lot of what we're doing here. If a salesperson has to push a consumer to buy something they happen to have in stock, right, without easy up, then their interests aren't adequately aligned with the consumer. But in, to, in, in, a, in a better world, then their interests are perfectly aligned. They're kind of the buyer's agent that allows that consumer to buy a car, feel confident, have all the answers they need, but still have the high touch experience that they, that they expect because they're on the opposite end of the spectrum from, like I said, the, the, the one-click purchase type thing that you see on the other end of the spectrum. We want to serve that. We want to see the market split, and we want to be the iconic company on, on, on that end of the spectrum, which is we want to be the way that people sell cars uh, as a salesperson. And then to make that happen, you'll, you'll obviously need some help. You'll need tons of salespeople, more employees, maybe some more capital. But what you'll, you'll, you'll absolutely need is help from the forward-thinking founders community. So for my last question for you is how can the forward-thinking founders community help? Is there an ask that you have? Are you hiring, fundraising, looking for users? Is there anything we can do to help make your life a little easier? Well, I mean, I think, I think the, there's always a lot of things that a new company needs, right? Uh, but I think the main things that we're looking for now, if you have – an investor as if you're a founder and you have an investor that you love, I'm always open to uh, an intro. If there's someone that is, you know, operating in our field, if, and um, we are probably going to be hiring, you know, certainly a, uh, you know, a front end engineer pretty soon here. So that's, that's one of our first hires. So open to great front end engineered intros and open to intros to um, investors that you're uh, passionate about and that you love. And then if someone wanted to just learn more about this online, find you, introduce you to a front-end developer someone might know, what's your website? Are you on Twitter? How can someone get in touch, email, anything like that? How can someone get in touch? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, the, easy, the, the website is easyup.com. That's E-A-S-Y-U-P-P.com. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter. My handle is chef, S-C-H-E-F-F-6-1. Um, I'm easy to get a hold of. DMs are always open and happy to chat. If, if you have help for me, I'm 
I'm, I'm not shy. I'm happy to take it. Or if it's something I can help you with, I'm happy to do that as well. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. Okay. Thanks so much, Matt. All right. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode of Forward Thinking Founders. If you want more of Forward Thinking, I'm excited to let you know that we now have a community. Well, it's not really a community. It's more of a city. It's called Forward Thinking City. And in Forward Thinking City, you're able to do AMAs with past guests that have been on the podcast. For example, today we just talked to Jonathan Barkle, who's the CEO of Air Garage. Um, Additionally, we have the CEO of Catch, Kristen Anderson. We have Austin Allred, the CEO of Lambda School coming in. And these are people that you can talk with, right? You can ask them questions. These are AMAs. Additionally, you're able to do happy hours with other residents once a week so you can meet other people, learn about their startups. You also have a chance to do startup office hours and get feedback on your on your startup or your product, as well as get a chance to pitch actual investors, real VCs, and this is all only for $7 a month. So if you want to support me as a creator, but more importantly, if you want to move your startup career forward and faster and get you access to guests on the podcast, other people in the city, and potential investors, then go to forwardthinking.city and sign up today for $7 a month. That's forwardthinking.city. All right, see you tomorrow.